You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. So I, I introduce him officially. I was told by Mufti A.K. Hussain, he said, you know, Shafaat, you rather bring this doctor on. When he listened to Dr. Shankara Chetty, he said, there's, there's a man of truth. There's a man, uh, you know, when he's talking, he's touching everyone with the truth. And, you know, if, you, uh, if you've met this uh, person, I tell you, you get addicted to him. And I'm addicted to Dr. Shankara Chetty. And uh, he is uh, a, natu- a natural science, a biologist, and a general practitioner. Dr. Shankara Chetty, uh, good evening. And thank you very much for joining us on the platform, the Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'a, an online radio that goes to the four corners of the globe. And it's such a pleasure having you on, uh, Doctor. Thank you for having me again, Shabazz. Uh, thank you kindly for that introduction. Now, uh, you're most uh, welcome, and also your good friend, uh, uh, Member of Parliament, Ahmad Manzur Sheikh Imam. You know, I generally uh, do a, a breakfast show on another platform every morning. And every third day, he's talking about someone. And you know, his name is uh, Dr. Shankara Chetty. You know, you have become, yeah. his, uh, you have become his source of reference also. And uh, yes, uh, Doctor, you know, perhaps a, you know, a recall on the, the last discussion we had, you know, a recap from you, uh, the things that you've said. And perhaps, you know, in your computer, you know, exactly the last few minutes he spoke to us, the last 10 minutes, were absolutely, you had a spellbound. A little recap on our last conversation, Doc. Uh, Shafat, we discussed uh, the last time around the vaccines. Uh, the problems that we're experiencing around them. I think uh, we we touched on the logic, or the illogic around them. Uh, we touched on uh, the effects and side effects that we are seeing. Uh, there's a lot more information that has come to light since. Uh, so, yes, uh, our discussion was about my eighth-day treatment, uh, where I've used early treatment to save many lives. Uh, with early treatment, we haven't had any deaths, any hospitalizations, which proves that early treatment is vitally effective in curbing all the mortality and mobility. Uh, the vaccines pose a whole different uh, scenario. Uh, there is going to be affectation of uh, vaccinated people, uh, side effects, uh, inefficiencies of the vaccine, so there is a deliberate drive to push these vaccines. That seems to make no sense. So my aim has always been to give the public a broad sense of what we're trying to achieve so that they can make informed, uh, educated choices. Uh, I think that was about the gist of what we spoke about the last time. Uh, well done there, Dr. Reddy. Uh, you've brought that uh, to the fore. And I thank you very much for being so concise and precise. And that's why, hey, you know, when you speak the truth, uh, you've got no time to be airy-fairy. Uh, you know, you don't use a linguistic gymnastics. You just get to the yeah, to the core of the matter. And, and, and I like you for that, you know, uh, you being there. I was uh, reading an article by, uh, you know, Dr. Herman uh, uh, Edeling, a, a neurosurgeon and a, a medical legal practitioner and a, a mediator. And uh, this is what he said. We have heard your pleas and calls for alternative voices or diverse scientific expertise on uh, South Africa's response to COVID-19 and vaccines. In the initial stages of the pandemic, 
COVID-19 sparked debates about whether the virus was a natural or naturally evolved uh, new pathogen what uh, that seemingly slipped out of a high security labor- uh, laboratory in Wuhan, China, uh, conspiracy theories that the coronavirus was deliberately created for biological warfare. But now the debate has moved on to the lack of trust in the motives of uh, governing powers and uh, some health authorities uh, due to concerns about the spread of false information about COVID-19 vaccines by individuals within the medical fraternity. The indistinguishable mix of unverified information has since seen high levels of vaccine hesitancy among South Africans on whether um, or not to take the jab. I think, you know, brilliantly put forward that uh, Dr. Herman uh, says it. And this is exactly what's, uh, you know, the scenario that we are seeing. And uh, perhaps your thoughts on that, uh, Dr. Shankara. Uh, Shafat, I think we underestimate the intelligence of our society. Uh, and the ability to read into people's motives. Now, ever since the vaccine campaign kicked off in South Africa and around the world, it has been shrouded with controversy. Uh, To put some light to that, uh, initially we were told that the vaccines would be our only way to get back to normal. Now we all know what normal is. And when the vaccination campaign rolled out, that never happened. People were forced to continue wearing masks, continue isolating. Vaccinated patients were still getting COVID. So it never brought uh, the intended uh, promise. Uh, That that goalpost has constantly shifted. Uh, From uh, herd immunity, now the vaccines claim to uh, prevent severe illness and death. Yet we see from uh, countries that have been vaccinated some time ago already that this isn't true. Uh, In uh, the UK, in Israel, in Iceland, in Gibraltar, they have vaccinated a large proportion of their population. But all those countries are having massive spikes in cases. And a majority of those cases are fully vaccinated and are in ICU and they've had deaths. So I don't know where they get this claim that it prevents severe illness and death. Now, uh, the general public has been exposed to all this controversy, to all this confusion for almost a year now. So you get those that are very hesitant to believe, and rightly so. It's our bodies and our sanctuary, and so we should be very cautious about what we put into it. Of course, there are those who are frustrated, and out of that sheer frustration will take the vaccine. There are a lot of people that are being coerced by family members, by other motives to actually take this vaccine. So the science has left a long time ago. Uh, The vaccines itself have recently been proven to be wholly ineffective. Uh, When studies, the recent studies published in the British Medical Journal showed that the infection rate amongst vaccinated and unvaccinated people is about the same. Uh, vaccinated people still have the ability to transmit this virus to others around them. And uh, recently it was shown that vaccinated patients, when infected, tend to carry far higher viral loads than unvaccinated people. Uh, This has some dire implications for the mass vaccination campaign. Uh, I've noticed recently that uh, these uh, governmental agencies 
and regulators that have been pushing the vaccine have had to take a step back. Israel is talking about a third booster shot, uh, which they have already initiated and they found no benefit. And there's been uh, an addition of deaths due to that shot. So we're probably going to be milking a dead cow. We are giving people a, a vaccine that was made against the wild type variant uh, to try and curb a Delta variant. That is wholly illogical. Uh, so I think that the, the vaccines itself in time are showing to be ineffective. And this is forcing the people that we're punting this and pushing this to look at alternate ways of curbing the pandemic. Vaccines could never help someone that was acutely ill. This was a preventative measure. Uh, so I think it was misplaced from the start, but if vaccines prove ineffective and that takes the focus to early treatment, I think that will save a lot of lives and force people to see that the vaccinations were, I would say, unnecessary from the start. Uh, if they were well tested and proved to be effective, then I have no problem uh, advising patients to take them. But I think it's selfish that a proportion of our society thinks it's appropriate to take a vaccine that falsely claims to protect them at the expense of a few who will die from this vaccine. So I think uh, we need a complete rethink on vaccination. Thank you very much for that, uh, Doc. And, you know, also we look at the World Bank shows that COVID-19 is a project uh, or a project uh, that is planned to continue until the end of March 2025. So the intention is to continue it for another five years. In another five years, how many people will die? How many people will go to stress? As we know, there's uh, lots of uh, statistics coming through. People are getting into depression. Some are committing suicide. I mean, it's actually uh, has uh, put people into compartments. It has uh, taken away the freedom of uh, their the thoughts. And, you know, they've been uh, uh, paranoia is uh, catching them because of all this information that's coming through and, you know, dangling of the beta. If you, uh, if you, if you, if you don't, uh, if, if you come for a vaccination, you'll get 5% discount. Or if you're not vaccinated, I will not sell uh, you certain products from here. If you're not vaccinated, you can't fly or sometimes you'll take away some of your rights and your privileges. What type of mind thinks all this, uh, Doc? You know, unlike like your mind is so wide open, pure, we're in sync with divine decree. How do we analyze this, uh, you know, uh, deliberate ploy to put people into a, a mode of paranoia, Dr. Shankara? Uh, Shafat, that I think has been the intention from the start. This uh, pandemic is not about uh, the spread of coronavirus. It is not about the mass vaccination campaign. It is about power, totalitarianism, and it's about curbing individual freedoms and rights. And I think that is the main objective of this uh, global attempt. Uh, from the start itself, the vaccines were punted uh, without any safety or efficacy to keep the vaccines going. Uh, they were granted an emergency use authorization and uh, early treatment options were deliberately stifled. Now, that has cost us thousands, millions of lives around the globe. Uh, early treatment is, has always been the mainstay of dealing with illness, be it an epidemic or a pandemic. Now, by suppressing that early treatment, we have actually artificially caused 
a whole lot of mortality and morbidity, which could have been easily curtailed if we were allowed to research and bring good early treatments to the fore early on in the pandemic itself. So I think we need to be cautious about being sidetracked with the issues around vaccinations per se. The vaccination is just a tool that is being used to curtail freedoms around the world. Uh, the vaccine that is wholly ineffective is being punted. Now, first, they tried to convince us with science, apparently, and the science just didn't stack up. Then from trying to convince us, it went to a bit of coercion. So you had government officials, celebrities and the such, punting the vaccine on TV. From coercion, it moved even further. Uh, so now people are being enticed into taking the vaccine by getting rewards for having this. And in certain countries where that hasn't worked, uh, mandates are now going to be put in place. Now, I find that very, very disturbing. Uh, <clears throat> there are a few colleagues around the globe that have uh, been talking about this being for financial gain. But we've got to be cautious. The vaccine manufacturers have been paid already. And whether they abandon this plan today, they are still completely paid for the work that they've done. So monetary gain can't be the reason for this uh, arrogant push for mass vaccination. There is something else going on. Uh, <clears throat> the second thing is that this push for mass vaccination uh, comes at the expense of uh, people's health. It makes no sense to drive a mass vaccination campaign that leaves your population less healthy. Uh, we've seen the problems that the vaccine causes, besides the side effects, the affectation to your immunity or your immune response. So I think people need to be very cautious about labeling this a push for financial gain. This is a cabal of global players that have manipulated the psychology of, uh, of the entire planet with cycles of fear and relief, each cycle of fear and relief causing a little more anxiety. Uh, they've uh, forced lockdowns, uh, prevented any human interaction between people, uh, isolated people. Uh, they've also now made people desperate with the thought of losing your job. And so with all that desperation that's coming, people have lost their faith. And people always need something to believe in. We always need some constancy and consistency in our lives. And so the vaccine has been used as the tool to provide that consistency, even though it has shown to be wholly ineffective. Now, those people that have been psychologically traumatized during this pandemic by the lockdown measures and such, uh, look to the vaccine as their savior. And so the vaccine has developed an almost cult-like status with people taking sides. Uh, you're not allowed to criticize it. But the science behind the vaccines is irrefutable. Uh, recently, studies have shown broad, long-term uh, natural immunity. This as well has been stifled. I was loath to hear when we had the start of the third wave uh, that the president on national TV made an announcement that the Delta variant 
seems to evade the natural immunity of those infected previously. Now, this is only fear-mongering. I'd like to see where he gets that data from. Uh, I've seen over 6,000 patients, and I haven't had a patient reinfected. And if that patient did get reinfected, it was probably such a mild transient infection, the second infection, that they failed to even bother reporting it. So I think we need to be very, very careful about the messages coming out from mainstream media. They are meant to be coercive. They are meant to be uh, destructive. Uh, they are meant to force vaccinations. Uh, an example, <clears throat> in the second wave, uh, schools were reopened, and I saw many, many children with COVID. COVID in children presents as a mild flu-like illness, which is relatively transient. Children don't transition into the pulmonary phase of this illness, so they are not at risk of severe illness or death. In that second wave, there wasn't any push to test children. It can be pretty traumatic taking a child for a COVID test. So all children that presented with flus were treated and asked to isolate for 10 days. And if they were well after those 10 days, they went back to school. Now in this third wave, I've noticed that children that come to me with the flu also come with the request from the principal that the department requires a coronavirus test for them. Now, I find this very strange, but understandable. There is, in the very near future, going to be a push to vaccinate the younger age groups and children. So I guess that has to be substantiated. And so I think that the players that are pushing the vaccines are in the process of getting that substantial evidence together, be it coerced and concocted. So we're going to hear very soon on media how this Delta variant is affecting children. The number of cases amongst children will be reported. Uh, hospitals will be uh, enticed to admit children. And so we'll see far more hospitalizations with children. But this has no bearing on the severity of the infection in children. This would be solely to frighten parents into thinking that the Delta variant is far more severe and is going to injure their children to coerce them into giving consent to have their children vaccinated. So I think we must be very cautious. We can watch the other countries around us. We can see what's been happening and we can predict the same for our own country. As much as we talk of not mandating vaccines in countries around the world, mandates are now coming into force. And I think that is in the, on, the, uh, on the cards for South Africa. Uh, there will be ways and means adopted to make sure that that happens. Uh, in my discuss, discussion with uh, uh, Sheikh Imam, I mentioned two things that I thought were reasonably relevant. While Dr. William Keyes was the Minister of Health, <clears throat> the vaccine program was going at a snail's pace. Uh, that uh, might have been that he had some reservations about the, the type of vaccines that we're bringing in. And of course, he's been look, looking at all the side effects. And I think that the controversy surrounding him was just a simple means of moving him out of the way and putting someone into that position that would be more uh, or less averse to vaccination 
And we noticed that once the acting minister of health came to be, the vaccination program took off. Now, in the very same light, there are doctors around the country that have taken the opportunity to speak up against the vaccines. Uh, however, they have been uh, ostracized, they have been criticized, their characters have been attacked. But in all that I've seen, no one of those detractors that have attacked these doctors have chosen to interrogate their scientific opinion. It was all character assassinations. And this is true of a cult. Now, those doctors that have been standing up against vaccinations uh, are organizing themselves. Uh, more and more doctors are starting to see that vaccination is not the way to go. Now, the only way to control these errant doctors would be to attempt to suspend them. Uh, so recently, we have seen the CEO of the Health Professions Council being moved out of his position for some reason or the other. That leaves a vacancy open to fulfill that task. So yes, any detractors from vaccination will be silenced. And so this is a program that is going to push to go ahead, whether we like it or not. I tell you, doctor, you know, the truth shall set you free and uh, your words are just flowing, uh, resonating so beautifully. And I can tell you, I'm really enjoying you. I can just sit for hours and hours just to listen to you. But, you know, you're talking about, uh, I mean, uh, Babita Dio, uh, Dio Narayan, you know, she'd been uh, murdered because she's a whistleblower because of uh, the PPEs and so forth. I mean, uh, it's all, all is, uh, it's frightening. Are we living in a mafia state? Uh, we've been monitored. And even in in your profession, there's already been uh, certain uh, people put away because of the they speak the truth. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Babita, uh, Doc? Look, this is a this is a huge problem that we have. We, uh, as a country, we have security issues, uh, irrespective of whether you're a whistleblower or not. But to see certain people so easily targeted simply because of being able to speak out. That speaks of a dictatorship. That speaks of totalitarianism. If we live in a society where robust debate cannot be entertained, then why do we bother calling ourselves a democracy? Uh, the whole purpose and beauty of a rainbow nation is the different colors that are brought to the table, meaning the different perspectives. And that gives us the broadest diversity of understanding and that is what's supposed to be making South Africa a great nation. The diversity of cultures finding ways to come together with differences of opinion, with the differences in the way we do things, with the differences in our talents. And we all bring different things to the table to build a nation together. Now, I think the non-racism we talk about has stifled a lot of the opportunity that South Africa had uh, in 94 when we became a democratic nation. Uh, the aim became equal opportunity. Yes, equal opportunity for everyone, but also to, to celebrate the individuality of all the colors of our rainbow. E equality does not mean mixing everyone together and forcing people to be the same. Then we'll have some shady 
um, color of green rather than the colors of the rainbow. So the diversity we have to learn to celebrate. And that diversity is meant to bring different views. Now, here in South Africa, any view that seems to be against the mainstream view is stifled. Uh, it's uh, it, it's banned. It's it's ostracized. It's criticized. Uh, all this uh, seems nonsensical. The people that do such thing, such things, leave very little of their characters to be desired. Uh, people having this kind of view, uh, taking sides, prejudices, uh, is coming to the fore uh, with this with this mass vaccination campaign. Uh, I've had. Uh, Patients come to me saying that the doctor has told them that if they don't take the vaccine and they get COVID, he will not treat them. I sometimes wonder whether he vouched to treat them at the start of this pandemic, because a lot of doctors around the country uh, swapped over to telemedicine. A lot of them closed their practices and were terrified of uh, coronavirus. Now, someone uh, waved a half-cooked vaccine in front of them and took away their fear. So they trust it. They trust it wholeheartedly because it's all that they have to hold on to. And so they punt it, irrespective of scientific evidence coming out that uh, the vaccines are, are not doing what they should. So I think doctors need to need to wake up. They need to look at the evidence. They need to be more compassionate to their patients. Uh, if a patient came to me uh, with a motor vehicle accident and alcohol played a part in it, I can't stand back and say, because you had a drink, you should be left to die. That is, the, that is absolutely dispassionate of me. And I am loath to hear that doctors around the country are doing such things to tell patients that uh, we will not treat you if you're unvaccinated. Uh, we're seeing the same with vaccine side effects. I've taken the uh, opportunity to refer patients that have had vaccine side effects to specialists so that we can get to the bottom of what's transpired. But I've had numerous patients come back to me and say that the doctor they saw was very annoyed that uh, we were suspicious that this was a vaccine side effect and insisted that it was not. <clears throat> now, I find that, I find that very uh, depressing to be part of a medical profession where that kind of ego seems to rule. Uh, a long time ago, I came across an article that said that it's only 15% of illness that gets presented to a doctor. The other 85% either is self-treated, resolves spontaneously, uh, and never gets to see a clinician for treatment. So if I'm getting the top 15% of all injury or disease presenting to me, I could never tell a patient that there's nothing wrong with them. I need to concede that I don't know what's wrong with them. But if I have an inflated ego, obviously, uh, expressing my inability to diagnose them is not, uh, is not possible. So I think that uh, doctors need to be more open-minded. I've had patients who took a vaccine and two days later experienced side effects. And when they went to have them looked at, they were told it has no relation to the vaccine. We've just seen recently the MK Veterans Association uh, president has demised a few days after taking a vaccine. 
Now, are we going to wait for enough people to be injured by this vaccine and die for it no more to be judged as a uh, it, it was it that uh, for for it no more to be judged as uh, just just a uh, not no, nothing to do with the vaccine. Uh, this is something that doctors need to take the time to investigate. We had a conference last night uh, in the Delaware town hall. I was invited to, where Dr. McCullough and myself were called upon to discuss the vaccines, discuss the side effects we're seeing and all that kind of thing. And there's an expectation amongst learned scientists, vaccinologists, virologists, and physicians that are treating COVID that we're going to experience some very long-term problems with this vaccine. And if patients are presenting two days after the vaccine with side effects and doctors don't want to entertain that, we have very little hope of understanding the side effects. And that's going to lead to more injuries for patients, more mortality. So I think uh, the compassion with medical care needs to come back. Whatever the patient in front of you, for a doctor to have prejudice to that patient and have that prejudice affect the way he treats that patient, I think that's utterly shameful. I think, uh, Doctor, you know, you really are making a valid point of this evening, uh, really resonating beautifully with me, and I'm sure with the listeners around the world. Uh, let's go for a break, and uh, we will continue with this fascinating conversation with Dr. Shankara Chetty. You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Fantastic conversation with our very own uh, Dr. Shankara Chetty. And, uh, yeah. Doc, uh, how are you feeling this evening? Uh, you know, I always ask you this question because, you know, you're so busy. You've had meetings. I think you finished uh, very late last night. What gives you the energy, Dr. Shankara Chetty, to go on? Something is motivating you. What is it? I think, uh, Shafat, the, the truth. Uh, I've seen too many mistruths. I've seen too much of manipulation, too much of coercion. Uh, I have a good understanding of science. And nothing that I've seen so far makes sense. I've seen people around me distressed. I've seen people lose their jobs. And I don't think that's fair to humanity. I'm not a pe person that would tolerate that kind of uh, uh, manipulation of society, that sort of injury to those around me. So I think that is my biggest motivation, to bring some light, to bring some honesty, to bring some uh, hope to people around me. And I think that's vitally important when we have so few voices willing to stand up and uh, speak truth. Uh, the mainstream media, uh, the governance that we face, all of them are being coercive. So I think people feel very desperate, very lonely, uh, very isolated. And I think they need a voice that will calm them and lead them to lead them to light, lead them to understanding make them understand that there will be an end to this, uh, not to allow them to have blind faith in something that's being pushed uh, onto them. So, yeah, it is tiring. I'm up till three, four in the morning some nights and have a full day of work helping patients. But uh, mm. what needs to be done needs to be done. And I think that's what drives me. 
Yeah, I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, uh, Doc, I want to take you way back, you know, when the HIV and AIDS uh, uh, came about, uh, you know, people were even there, the paranoia set in. And, you know, when you went uh, for your test and if you immediately, if you said uh, that you were, you know, HIV positive, that was your death sentence. People died of the shock of uh, being uh, said that, you know, uh, being told that you are positive. And, you know, uh, subsequently it came to the fore that if you went uh, to three different uh, Test uh, laboratories. You got three different uh, uh, results. Is that same thing happening with uh, COVID nineteen? You know, people within an hour can get a positive, negative, positive, negative. What's going on here, Doc? Look, that is the uh, that is the biggest uh, the crux of the manipulation with coronavirus. Uh, and I think the the insensitivity of the coronavirus test was something that was intended from the start of this pandemic. Uh, we can't blame an insensitive test that was authorized by the FDA for global use and say that there's a problem with it. It was intended to be problematic. Uh, with that test itself, if you look at the information leaflet uh, on the PCR test, it was never intended uh, by the manufacturers to be used as a mass screening tool. It was never intended to test asymptomatic people, and it was never intended to be a diagnostic tool. Now, all those point to the inefficiencies of the test itself. Now, if the manufacturer was not confident about the reliability of his test and had certain stipulations that needed uh, certain sectors to be avoided, why would we go against the manufacturer's stipulation and test everyone? We're testing asymptomatics. We're using it as a screening tool. Now, that is deliberately done uh, simply because the, the test itself is going to cause uh, or, or produce an increase in the number of positive cases. That all leads towards the hype and the fear that's meant to be instituted by these organizations. Uh, the data that's collected as well from these PCR tests, because of the unreliability, the data will be unreliable. Now, unreliable data uh, can swing both ways. Uh, it can uh, justify my concerns and claims, and it can also justify the uh, vaccine punters' claims. Uh, no one could be right. No one could use that data effectively. However, the people punting the vaccines have means by manipulation of the mainstream media to share their views only. And their views can be justified by poor data. Nobody really interrogates that data. So I think the intention from the start was to gather poor data so that you could ju justify this mass vaccination campaign. Uh, the other thing with the PCR test, uh, we've instituted a whole lot of public health measures. Uh, I had a conversation uh, on Sunday with an influencer from Sri Lanka who was talking to the government there about early treatment options. And he wanted to know my stand on the vaccines and what's, what's happening with the PCR testing and the rest. Now, the public health measures that were instituted were identify the virus, isolate that virus, identify, track and trace all the contacts, and then quarantine all those contacts. So in essence, what we're trying to do 
is keep the virus from spreading between individuals. Now, if I had to put that into context, imagine you have a bowl of white rice and you've got three black grains of rice in that bowl and they're going to uh, contaminate the rest of the bowl of rice. So to prevent that contamination, you got to quickly isolate the black grains of rice. And to do that, you need very good eyesight. Eyesight that's discriminant, that would identify the black from the white grains of rice, and you'd be able to pick them out of that bowl before they cause any further problems. So it comes down to a discriminant good eyesight. Now, our eyesight uh, in identifying coronavirus is a faulty PCR test. That faulty PCR test is like having blurred vision. Now, with this blurred vision, it would, it would uh, stifle your attempts to isolate the virus in the first place. So any isolation, uh, lockdown, quarantining, tracking and tracing would be wholly futile. You would not be able to catch every grain of black rice in that bowl, and so it would spread in pockets. So I think the, the uh, isolation lockdown public strategy based on this PCR test was also flawed. I find it strange that uh, we know that in all of human history, we have never been able to isolate a respiratory airborne virus using lockdown measures. Yet that was chosen as the mainstay of intervention from a public health perspective uh, for this pandemic, uh, destined to fail from the start, I would say but easy to justify using a, false, a falsified PCR set of data. Uh, as well, the vaccines will play into that as well. The PCR tests would create the hype. Uh, the PCR tests would create all the, the uh, pandemonium that we've seen around the globe. And that would justify a quick rollout of, an, of a poorly considered vaccine. And the data from those PCR tests would be used to justify that vaccine. Uh, with the vaccine as well, never in human history have we been able to curtail the spread of a respiratory, a respiratory RNA virus. RNA viruses are known to mutate very quickly and are able to evade vaccination strategy. So we do a yearly flu vaccination that's only about 20% effective. Now, knowing that these kind of vaccination strategies have failed in the past to curtail any spread of these kind of viruses. Why was it chosen as the mainstay of intervention for, for this pandemic? Again, destined to fail. Now, we've globally chosen two methods that were destined to fail from the start. I find that very strange. Uh, the coercive behavior of those in charge needs to be looked at very closely. Uh, there is ulterior motives here. So the PCR test is basically asking me to try and find the pee in a swimming pool. I'm not that silly. Uh, I don't have the time to waste doing that, especially if you give me a tool that is very indiscriminate. How do you expect me to separate this out? So I think the PCR test formed the basis for the entire coercive effort surrounding this pandemic. And to this day, I find it unbelievable that with all the research facilities around the globe, we have not been able to come up with a more efficient PCR test. Of course, 
I guess the funders for those research centers have a part to play in that. So, uh, Doc, uh, whilst you're talking, my mind went right back, right back at the moment here. You know, Dr. Uh, Salim Abdul Karim, the endemiologist, you know, when he came, he took us into his confidence and he told the country, we're going to have this. Yeah, remember, you know, he ushered in uh, this uh, uh, this order and everyone were, you know, hey, they said, what a great man, what a wonderful man. Uh, he's, you know, giving us, he's so concerned. So, uh, then, you know, we study the man and we see he's compromised so heavily because he's in the payroll of uh, these pharmaceutical companies, uh, you know, certain research he does, his daughter is there, his wife is there, he's compromised. You know, I mean, yeah, we we be talking about truth, uh, Dr. Shankara Chetty. You're a man of truth. I mean, Shabazz, yeah. uh, I'm trying to emulate you. Fill us in here, Doc. Fill us in. I mean, uh, this is no, up your alley. These people that have been tasked with managing the crisis in South Africa are all compromised. Uh, they've done turnarounds. Uh, initially, I heard uh, Dr. Abdul Karim talking on TV, and I thought, well, he made some sense, but I, I was concerned that there were big gaping holes in what he was saying. Uh, when the vaccines came to be, I noticed a deliberate punting of the vaccines even though there was a lack of safety and efficacy data, he kept mentioning that they were safe and effective. And there was no one there to question where he got that data from. Then we had the vaccinologist from uh, Wits University uh, who looked into the vaccines once they came to South Africa. His name eludes me now. It was, uh, do you remember, Shafath? Uh, it was a doctor from yeah, I... Wits University. Yeah, uh, very popular. Uh, we will yes. get it. We'll get it. Go, go, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, he came out and he looked at the vaccines and he he tested their efficacy against the different variants in the country. And he came out and said it's ineffective against the South African variant. I was delighted that there was someone there that was willing to stand up and say, look, the vaccines are not really effective. Uh, and so we need to consider cautiously how we do this. Uh, however, subsequently, I've noticed a turnaround. Now he's punting the vaccines, uh, a vaccine for a wild type that's meant to try and curtail a Delta variant, uh, absolutely illogical. Uh, a comment that he made on TV the other day uh, raised an eyebrow. Uh, he mentioned that employees in companies should be given, employers and employees should be given the right to inquire about their fellow workers' vaccine status because it impacts on them directly. And I thought that is a travesty to have an educated man not realize the confidentiality of your medical information. Now, they keep punting this because they want to put vaccinated people against unvaccinated people so unvaccinated people can be blamed for all the ills that befall vaccinated people. So you're already finding ways to justify or to explain away the problems you are expecting to face. Uh, in Britain, uh, UK, and in other countries that have had mass vaccination campaigns, the majority of people now that are in hospital are vaccinated. So who do they blame? It's actually the vaccinated that are going to be spreading this virus. It's the vaccinated that have higher viral loads. It's the vaccinated that will shed spike protein and messenger RNA to be unvaccinated people around them. 
So it's the vaccinated people that are going to provide the greatest risk to society, notwithstanding all these side effects that we've been seeing so far and the risk it poses to themselves. So I think that the people tasked with educating the public are malicious. We should have panel discussions on television with people from different views debating the science. And that is how the truth will come out. Science is about robust debate around differing views. And that's how we come to consensus. Not one person airing their view and stifling everyone else's opinion at whatever cost. I tell you, Doctor, brilliant indeed. And uh, yeah, the uh, professor you're talking about was uh, Shabir A. Mahdi. Yeah, he was quite uh, prominent on the TV. And as you said, hey, the 360s are coming fast and furiously. I'm sure the people in charge know full well how to manipulate the system. I mean, we have good enough uh, doctors, clinicians, researchers, scientists here in South Africa that could have made a huge impact on this pandemic if we were allowed to deal with it independently. But all the researchers that I've approached in South Africa seem to be compromised and compromised by funding from vaccine companies. Uh, doctors in the country seem to be stifled from treating patients by following stipulated protocols that do not work. Uh, the government of South Africa has been incentivized. They know that they will uh, hold greater power if they play to these world tunes. We've got Germany and uh, the UK uh, having more influence in the pandemic in South Africa than any South Africans do. So I think we, we uh, as a country itself, need to reassess. We need to have a little more faith in our own and develop our own strategies for solving our problems. This is another Another uh, example of hiring outside consultants to tell, tell us what to do because we don't have the uh, skill or we think we don't have the skill to do it ourselves. You know, uh, Doc, I'm uh, thinking aloud here. What goes through your mind? I mean, here you, uh, you're giving people an alternative or you have a procedure that is so simple. You find people getting into these heavy-duty masks and, you know, their lungs are being invaded and, you know, they're going through this trauma. And yet it feels like, you know, they're suffocating those individuals. How do you feel when you see people going in for treatment like that? That alone makes you feel, you know, this is alien to the human nature. I don't know if I'm on the right track there, Doc. Your thoughts? Yes. Uh, in our discussion yesterday in Delaware, uh, I was discussing with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough the overuse of PPE. And uh, he uh, is suspicious that he has natural immunity. So he sees his patients uh, with just a mask, nothing more. And he takes it off when he's not with the patient. Uh, so do I. I do not wear full PPE. I put a mask on when I need to see patients. Uh, the more important measures are the social distancing, two meters. And when you're closer than two meters, put a mask on. But if you're further than two meters away from someone, there's no reason to be wearing a mask. We, uh, we also discussed the isolation. 
which is counterproductive. We know that ventilation and sunlight are the two best methods to kill this virus. Now, isolating people is counterproductive. Uh, people in their homestays would not stay put. There would always be one family member tasked to go out and buy food and do the necessary. Now, if that family member came into contact with someone that was COVID positive, when he get, got back home, it was almost certain that he would spread it to other members of his family being in a closed, confined environment for a prolonged period of time. So I think the lockdown and isolation measures were truly counterproductive in that way. Uh, the PPE was actually meant to scare people. I remember at the start of the pandemic, I found something very strange. When we saw pictures of Wuhan, uh, of the start of the pandemic there, there were images of people dressed in full white PPE, uh, sanitizing train stations and the rest with a kind of fog. Now, I know I looked at that and I thought, well, what a mammoth task to sanitize everything for such a virulent virus that seems to be everywhere. But then when I looked at the science, it just didn't make sense. There were no respiratory viruses in history that seemed to be so uh, virulent, so contagious and so resilient that they would live on a surface for days on, on end. However, when the first cases came to South Africa, the government started talking about disinfection measures and that they were embarking on plans to disinfect public transport networks and the rest. And strangely, while this was being broadcast, they had the very same images that were broadcast from China. And it looked like they were implying that this was a South African disinfection drive. But you could clearly see, if you looked closely on the inside of the trains, that instructions on the walls were written in Chinese. And so I thought it was from that point that I started to realize that there's an element of coercion starting up. And it's from that point that I started to look very uh, judiciously at whatever I've been told by mainstream media. Well, uh, Dr. Shankara Chetty, I can tell you, you know, it has been a fascinating evening with you. And, you know, time and tide waits for no man. I know you're going to have another meeting very soon. Perhaps your parting words uh, this evening. Uh, Shafat, I think the vaccines are going to bring us a whole host of issues over the coming years. Uh, there are three things that the vaccines are definitely going to do. One is that they are allergenic and very shortly after vaccination, we've seen people getting sick with spike protein. These are false positive COVID patients and so are reported as COVID patients. However, this is allergy to the spike protein, and that needs to be addressed. Uh, following that, we know that spike protein causes inflammation in vessel walls and in uh, what we call endotheliitis, and of course myocarditis, leading to blood clots and clotting disorders. That is something that we are already seeing. Uh, patients that have high blood pressure, diabetes, those kind of comorbid conditions that predispose you to vessel injury uh, will predispose you to further injury from these vaccines. And that is something we're gonna to have to deal with in the medium term. Uh, we've also shown that the uh, mRNA vaccines get distributed widely in our body into spleen, liver, lung, uh, testes, 
uh, ovaries, uh, crosses the blood-brain barrier. So we have this wide distribution of spike protein and messenger RNA. Now what this does is it causes those cells to actually manufacture spike protein, and that spike protein is expressed on the surface of the cell. Then your body looks at the cell that doesn't look like it belongs, and so it develops an immune response to those cells. Uh, that immune response is what we'd call autoimmunity. It's an inappropriate immune response to yourself, but it's triggered by the spike protein being expressed on the cell surface. Now, looking at how it widely it's distributed, all the parts of the body that I've mentioned where mRNA is distributed and manufactures spike protein will be prone to having autoimmune dysfunction, be it the reproductive system, be it the liver, be it the brain. So we're going to see a whole host of autoimmune conditions in future. This is already starting to be viewed in countries like uh, the UK, where Guillain-Barre, uh, CJD, and such conditions are being seen in far greater numbers than they were ever seen before. Now, as, as humanity, this is the new medical problem that we'll be facing. And I pray that doctors put aside their prejudices and their differences when it comes to the vaccines and treat patients as they see them so that we can understand what is transpiring and so that we can provide patients some respite. Uh, if a patient has made a mistake by taking the vaccine, we should not abandon them. If a patient has made a mistake by not taking the vaccine, we should not abandon them. As doctors, that is not our choice, neither it is our duty. Every patient that presents to us that requires our assistance should be treated without prejudice. And I think that the entire medical fraternity needs a good shakeup. Uh, the system that has persisted for all these years is very hierarchical, and that doesn't allow any questioning. We are not in a military anymore, so medicine needs to change. Uh, we need to go back to the system where clinicians met in a lounge and discussed their findings for the day, and that was what moved science on. Randomized clinical trials were brought in by the pharmaceutical companies, which has allowed them to reject valid clinical findings and accept things based on randomized trials that can be manipulated. So I think the public needs to keep their eyes wide open and educate themselves about all that's going on around them and take time to consider and protect their individual freedoms that we're so hard fought for. Dr. Shankara Chetty, thank you very much for such an informed research. Stay blessed and I hope to talk to you in the near future, Doc. Sure, Shafat, sure. Thank you and very thanks, much. And thanks for having me. Now you're most welcome. And uh, yes, uh, listeners, keep it locked on to uh, Marcus Sahaba. Time for us to go for the Ishazan. And doctor, you have a blessed evening ahead. Uh, as I said, we'll talk to you soon. And straight to you, doc. We're all behind you. The entire 20 million, 30 million people that listen to you, we're all behind you. Go well, doc, and have a blessed evening. Thank you. Thank you. Regards to you and your family. Thank you. Thank you.